1: On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with an abuse survivor named Hannah, and Hannah was in a 10-year relationship with a very controlling and eventually physically abusive narcissist. It's a story of guilt, caretaking, confusion, and power. And now, before we get to our episode with Hannah, I just wanted to thank everyone in the Narcissist Apocalypse community for listening to the show, and we're excited that we're now offering high-conflict parenting courses that can be found at NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses. Yes, we have now partnered with an online parenting company. And many of those courses we are offering were created by Bill Eddy. And if you've listened to our episode last year with a divorce lawyer named Helen, you'll know that Bill Eddy is an expert in dealing with these individuals in court, and he's now helped create many parenting courses to help you through divorce and to help support your children too. These courses are the most widely recognized courses by family courts across the country. So if you want to support the show and are looking for guidance, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses. And guess what? We have other ways you can support the show, everyone. Yes, we also have a Patreon which you can find at patreon.com/narcissistapocalypse. And on our Patreon, we have interviews that never made it to air, we have return guest episodes, and we'll be having more fun episodes there as well. So if you want to support the show, support our Patreon by becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash Narcissist Apocalypse. Also, I just want to thank everyone who is sharing your thoughts by Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and email. A big shout out to all of our friends in our Narcissist Apocalypse Facebook support group for just being a great group of people. So hello to all of you. And a reminder, if you have not left us a review on whatever podcast service you use, Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Cashbox, etc., please leave us a five-star written review as it helps out the show a lot when it comes to rankings. And before... We continue, before we get to our show, we do have our other podcast, Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, now available for your listening pleasure. Uh, our last episode was with Elizabeth Barr A, and we discussed the coronavirus and living in small spaces with people and being quarantined with people. So go and listen to that episode right now. It's Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, and can be found on all of your podcast apps there too. Also, if you want to support the show, once again, Elizabeth Barre is one of the many coaches and therapists that are on abusetherapy.org, which is our directory. So if you're looking for a therapist or a coach, please do go to abusetherapy.org. And if we don't have someone in your area, please let us know and we will help find someone for you using abusetherapy.org helps support the show. And last thing, we also have a YouTube channel, everyone. Yes, we also have a YouTube channel, and we started making fun pop culture narcissist-based videos. The last one was on Edward Cullen, Narcissistic Abuser, and we'll leave the link to that YouTube channel in our description of the show, and now I'm just fumbling over my words, so it's time for me to get out of my own way and your way. Here is my episode with Hannah. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse. With me tonight, I have Hannah. How are you?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: I am good. And you're about to tell us a story of your 10-year relationship with a narcissist. And I am just going to get out of my way and your way and give you the floor. And thank you for being here with me this evening.
0: Sure. So, um... Before I met him, I was um, fresh out of school. I was working for a company during the day um, as a marketing and sales manager, and then at night, I was um, I was working at a bar um, as a host. And uh, how I met him, it was kind of funny. He used to um, he actually uh, used to come into the bar all the time at night. Um, with friends and actually different women. and I, I kind of got to know him a little bit, um, but didn't take too much notice. And then he actually ended up investing in the company that I work for during the day. So he became an investor in that. and um, my um, my CEO would tell me, you know, um, you know you have to, um, go see Mike today and, um, and you know, get him to do this, get him to do that. And so, you know, I was just basically trying to sell everything and, and get all of the logistics worked out. And then Mike would call my um, CEO and say, you know, I really need Kenneth for the rest of the day. And um, so my CEO would call me and say, you know, you can't leave. You have to stay. Um, you know, make sure he's happy. We need this money for the investment and whatnot. So I would stick around, and what ended up happening was there was absolutely no work being done. Uh, we would go for lunch, and lunches would turn into dinners. And uh, then I would go to work at night, and then he would show up at my work at night. And so basically it went from, like, you know, I, I had no idea who this person was to literally seeing him during the day and during the night in, in my, you know, at both my workplaces. And, um, even then I still really wasn't interested in speaking to him or, or anything like that. I just, we became kind of friendly and, um, you know, one day, I I guess we just, you know, we kind of grew as friends and, um, and then from there, you know, one day he said, you know, I really like you. And I said, you know, I, I, I like you too. And he's like, no, but, you know, I really like you. And I said, well, you know, what are your intentions? And um, he said, you know, I just want to have some fun. And I said, well, I I don't do fun. And um, after that, um, we, you know, continued to get to know each other. And then it developed into uh, a full-blown relationship. Um, He would come over all the time. I lived with my sister, um... I ended up giving him a key and, um, very early on, there were a lot of, there were a lot of red flags, but I, I, you know, I was 25. I had never been in a real relationship in my life and I just thought that he really cared about me. Um, so he would basically call me every second of the day he wasn't calling me, he was texting me. If he wasn't calling me or texting me, it's because he was with me. Um, And again, I just thought, oh my gosh, like this guy likes me so much. It's it's like so nice to have all this tension. Um, Like I said, I did give him the key to my place. And uh, one night I woke up in the middle of the night. And again, I live with my sister and we actually had a roommate as well. So, and we're all, you know, three women. And one night I'm sleeping and I wake up in the middle of the night and he's standing over me and I got up and I was like, Oh my gosh, like, are you, are you okay? Like what? He's like, I had a nightmare about you, but something bad happened to you. And I just wanted to make sure you're okay. And again, like talking about it now, I'm like, that's pretty crazy. Like that, that I didn't, you know, see that as something more. But I really thought that, like, oh, my gosh, like, what a, like, sweet guy. Like, he really cares about me. He was worried he came to check in on me. When, you know, if that was to ever happen now, I I would, you know, run to the cops. Um, but he was really, really good at um, love bombing me. So what he did in the beginning was basically, like, uh he, he did very well for himself. He owned his own companies. Um so in the very beginning it was always like, Would you like to go out tonight? Yes. And I wasn't used to I wasn't used to somebody who is not only forward but takes charge and actually like follows through with like things that they you know, if they say they're gonna call you or they say they're gonna do something. It's like, you know, in the dating game you don't usually get somebody who actually is consistent. So, you know, he would say, okay, do you want to go out tonight? Yes. And then I would have like a car service come and pick me up and we would go and I never had to worry about anything. He was just always wanting to take care of me and he just wanted to take care of me. And I, I found it really, really nice. And on my actual, you know, birthday weekend, he goes, I want you to invite your friends and your, and your brothers. And I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And I said, okay, what are we doing? And he actually rented out a private space in a uh, club. And it was open bar, catered food. It was this massive production for my birthday. And I thought, oh, my God, like this guy, that's it. Like, he loves me. Like, he loves me. He's done everything for me. And it wasn't until... I want to say, like maybe a month after that that he started to um, be really negative towards me a lot. Um, after the after the birthday party, things were still kind of okay. Things were still good. Then um, the first incident that I remember that really sticks with me is we went on vacation. Um, he took me on a trip. He's like, I want to go away with you. And I said, okay. So we went on vacation and um, we're having a great time. And then he said, you know, do you love me? And we, at this point we had already exchanged, I love you. We, you know, already said you're my soulmate and all that, you know, all of that stuff, you know? And I said, Oh, I don't love you. Like as a joke. And he went quiet and started to ignore me. And I said, I'm kidding. Like, I'm just, I'm joking. Like, you know, I love you. And he, he made me feel so guilty. Like I, I, I couldn't, I I didn't know what to do with myself. It's like, like, I was trying to show him like it was a joke. I was, I was trying to get him to talk to me. He was ignoring me. He was very like sullen Um, and, you know, after that, he, you know, that lasted for maybe like, cause we're on vacation that lasted for maybe like three or four hours. And then after that, it was like more like me trying to like, just make sure he's happy. And then he was happy all of a sudden again. Um, and that was something that really stood out for me.
1: So you were, you, hit a wound of his, in a mm-hmm. sense, his narcissistic wound. He got triggered and then the guilt trip happened and you had to work very hard in this sense to reassure him and make him, um, all of a sudden you were being this, uh, apologetic person to his mood and caretaking his, uh, situation And in your mind, was that kind of like the beginning of how uh, I assume you, you know, within your relationship, you became a caretaker always of those feelings. Always. Yeah.
0: Always. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, and when I had met him, I was very open about being a spiritual person, but not believing in religion or God. And he was like, yeah, I get it. He's like, I'm Muslim, but yeah, you're right. And it's just about people being good. And he was very like open to the fact that I was not a religious person and I was raised Muslim, but I'm not Muslim. My most of like my immediate, I have extended family who's very religious, but my immediate family is atheist or spiritual or agnostic. And, and he was really open to all of that. And then as soon as we started to get deeper into the relationship, he would, um, he would say really horrible, disgusting things about my family. He would call me an infidel. I, you know, I didn't Ugh. even know what an infidel at the time was. I didn't know what that meant. Um, and he would just say, you know, uh, my, my sister, uh, when I was younger, I had a sister that passed away, which he knew. And he would say comments as in, like, well, you know, God didn't want, you know, God takes away things because people don't deserve it or, you know, and he would, he would kind of, he would, he would uh, indirectly tell me that my sister passed away because my family's not religious. Um, he would, he, he used every single thing I ever told him to hurt me and damage me in some way or hold it over my head. And the whole thing with religion was crazy to me because, and, and and it's so crazy because it's like, I really believed he, he believes in Islam, but at the same time, I was like, how can you believe in Islam when you're living in sin, essentially, um, you're drinking, you're getting in fights, you're not very nice, but you pray and you keep proclaiming that you believe in religion. And it was so hard to understand because I was... I, I really felt like, well, I feel like my morals and my ethics and my values are actually uh, are superior to yours. But somehow I was made out to be this um, crazy, irrational, unbelieving, undeserving person. Mm-hmm.
1: So we'll eventually get all into that later. But I interrupted you before. And where were we? All
0: right. So what happened was is uh, after the vacation... Um, you know, we got back and again, I think we were still in pretty much like a, you know, we were still in the love bombing stage because he, he, you know, he, he noticed that, you know, I had an old TV and so all of a sudden a new TV showed up at my house and he bought me a new TV and, um, you know, and and he was buying all these gifts and we were going out all the time and spending so much time together. Um, but he was also like. It, it, was, it was very weird. He would bring up his ex and compare me to his ex, um, which I later found out he was actually still living with her when he was with me. Um, but he would tell me stories about how his ex is crazy, his ex has mental health issues, his ex needs help, I have to be understanding. And then, you know, I, I, I had to, like, rationalize it. At this point, I I... And deeply in love with him and he's telling me that he is doing something to help somebody that is not mentally well so I'm really, I'm really fighting with myself because I'm like well you know if you're a good person you should understand that he's just trying to support somebody who needs help so who are you to say that he's not allowed to be uh, a good person to this person that he was with before you and that was really hard. And that took a really big, like, toll on my self-esteem because it, it, it's, it's the weirdest thing and I can't explain it. It's it's like you almost know that they're lying to you, but you can't admit that they're lying to you. And I'm not somebody who's ever felt like that would be me. Like, I, I'm the first person to call you out on your bullshit, but it's such, I, I he's just he was so good at manipulating things that I kind of didn't know what was up or down. And, and we kind of just went with it. I never, ever bit my tongue when it came to something that I noticed, but no matter what I would say, he would always find a way to confuse me or explain it away or make me feel like I'm somehow the most terrible person in the world for even questioning him or for even bringing it up. Like I would get this a lot. I would say, you know, I would say, Hey, you know, um, when your phone rang at like one o'clock in the morning, like that really hurt me. Like why, why would somebody be calling you at one o'clock in the morning? And I would literally approach it in a, in, in a constructive way. Like I wanted to know, you know, Can you explain this to me? I'm not accusing you of anything. I want to understand. This was hurtful to me. And he would say, how dare you? How dare you start a fight with me when you know that I have a meeting in the morning? You are so selfish. You are so selfish. And I'd be like, what? Huh? I'm just asking you because, like, that hurt me. Like, this is what happened, and it hurt me, and I just wanted to bring it up. And somehow... Uh, i i would actually end up apologizing i would actually end up apologizing to him and never address what actually happened
1: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking
0: requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. And it was, um, and then not only would I end up apologizing, I would try even harder to show him how much i care about him and it's it's like i almost it's a, it's like i don't know it's like he any time that i got upset about anything he would be offended that i was upset so i was never allowed to be upset because if i was upset about something it would somehow get twisted back around on me and then I would end up being the one who was to blame. I would feel so much guilt and I would end up apologizing for it um, and trying to make it up to him. And that was like a constant. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I felt I, I walked around with constant guilt, constant guilt. If he was sick, it, it, was, it was very weird. He would do this thing where he would get sick and then he would be very, very cruel towards me. Very cruel. And then I would say, oh, my God, like, like, can I see you? Can I whatever? You know, I was trying so hard to show him that I wanted to be there for him, but he would push me away and he wouldn't want me around. And then I'd be like, Okay, I guess you don't like it when, you know, maybe some people are different. Maybe you don't like me being around when you're not feeling well. And then after and or in the midst of it, he would criticize me and tell me what a bad person I am for not being around and not. Uh, not being dependable when all I was trying to do was be there and be around, but he wouldn't let me. So, so it, it, it didn't matter really. It didn't matter if I went left or right. It was always my fault.
1: I was about, to say, the, I was about to say the exact same thing. He was going to blame yeah. you no matter what choice you had. You were going to get no the brunt. What. If you said left, it was going to be right. If you said right, he's going to say no left.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I assume okay. then it
1: eventually it became. It was always something. Something mm-hmm. was always happening. Nothing could, uh, not a day could go by. Something had to be nitpicked. Something always had to be complained about.
0: One hundred percent. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Something always had to be complained about, and he always projected everything onto me, and I didn't find out like. If you had asked me any time throughout our 10 years of our relationship, you know, has Mike cheated on you, I would have said absolutely not. He flirts with girls all the time in front of me. I know he does. I know he flirts with girls all the time. He just likes the attention. But, you know, we always go home together. He would never cheat on me, ever. Well, that changed when the relationship ended and I realized how, how much he actually cheated. He was just a serial cheater. But up until this day, he will tell you that he was faithful. And that is so far from the truth. And I never would have believed it. And I actually had girls come up to me and say, you know, your, your uh, fiance just hit on me. And I'd be like, ah, he's just a flirt. Like I would, I would literally brush it off. And I would see things that are so extremely inappropriate, and I would brush it off. But at the same time, at the same time, and this is another key thing that I know he must have been cheating, it, other than obviously there was a lot of different signs and, and different things that I was privy to um, and willfully blind or, or stupid or I don't know what it was. But at the same time, he would accuse me of cheating constantly, constantly accuse me of cheating. He was extraordinarily jealous. If I looked down the street, down the street, say we're sitting on a patio and I'm looking down the street because that's the direction that I'm facing, he would actually keep looking over his shoulder. And if, if by any chance there was a guy walking by or a guy sitting at the table behind him or anything, he would be like, do you know that person? How do you know that person? You keep looking at that person. Do you want them? Why do you want them? What are you thinking? I think that he's so insecure that he, he actually convinced himself that that's what was happening. Like I, I, I think that he believes everything that he says and that he projects. Like I actually think he does. Um, there's a lot of things that I, I know he doesn't believe. Like I know, I don't think like, I know he knows that I've never cheated, but at the same time, he will project that onto me. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to like those situations, I think that he is so insecure that he does think that that's what I'm thinking and he, he takes it and believes it and runs with it and the, the jealousy and the, um, the, uh, the rage and the episodes that would ensue as a result of the jealousy um, made me um, start acting different. And I actually became a different person um, to the point where um, I didn't know how to act in public situations if there was somebody um, of the opposite sex. So if it was all women, I could kind of be myself. But if it, if there was a man in um, my presence, with or without him, I was terrified to interact with them. Um, and my sister actually said to me one day, we, we were out. It was my sister, me, and Mike. And, you know, my sister said, you're acting very weird. And I was like, no, I'm not. And she's like, no, you are. And I, I was because I was terrified of looking in the wrong direction. I was terrified of speaking to somebody I shouldn't speak to. I was terrified. I didn't know how to act. I did not know how to act. The only place I felt safe, if it was just me and him, and then I couldn't be accused of behaving badly. I was constantly accused of wanting attention. I was constantly accused of Flirting. I was constantly accused of cheating. Like I didn't know how I was supposed to behave anymore.
1: So I, well, I, I, I guess this is all happening in six months, and you guys were together for. Did you, you didn't get married, correct? You were just your fiance.
0: So we got engaged twice.
1: Okay, but you so were together. We but you were together for ten years. So you already years. you already had this for six months, and then you had another nine and a half years of this, and Absolutely. then I, then I assume worse.
0: Absolutely. It, it's funny because um, there were a lot of um, negative things that progressed. And there was a lot of things, to be honest with you, it's like, I would, I would get into a place where I feel like, oh, I've got this under control now, like with the jealousy. I thought, okay, i was still scared to interact with people. But I was starting to get more comfortable. And Every time I would get a little too comfortable, boom, he would pull me back in. He would pull me back in and check me. So, um, you know, uh, for our last engagement, for instance, I was um, – he asked me to plan an event for his company. I said, great, I'll plan an event for your company. And there was uh, – one of the executives was uh, a man and the other one was a woman and they were planning it with me. And I got accused of liking the guy. We had all of, you know, the the, the event was planned within like three or four days. We had almost maybe five conversations. We exchanged emails. And um, I got accused of trying to seduce him and liking him and being inappropriate and um he told me that you know like i was um basically that i was a gross person and that that's the help and i um i he he called me inadequate as a woman and um you know i didn't know how to behave um so so yes it did progress but at the same time it's like it, it was we had a lot of like times where it's like, I don't know if it's like it was under control or I would just be, I was just very careful in the way I moved. But the second I would show him or, or be outright in just being a human being, he, and he didn't like it. He would bring me back down. Mm -hmm. He would make sure that he checks me.
1: So, I guess after the, the six months, how did your relationship, I guess, progress going forward?
0: So the love bombing was happening constantly. He okay, would do the okay. love bomb. He would like, be, again, and his love bomb was all monetary. Um, as well as like, like, I, I mean, if I had to tell you how many times I love you, we wouldn't have enough time. I heard I love you. 50 times a day, I heard, you're the love of my life. You're my soulmate. I've never cared anybody like you. We're so connected. I would hear that constantly, constantly. I mean, within the whole 10 years, I heard it. But in between that, I would be told that I'm evil. I'm a bad person. I don't care. I have no soul. I'm an infidel. Um, I'm surrounded by bad people. He hated anybody in my life. Anybody in my life, he hated. He he would insult my family. He would insult my friends. He did not like me to talk to anybody. And he would he would justify it and say, "It's because I love you, and you're better than them. You don't know it, but you're better than them. You shouldn't associate with people like that." And I would have to fight to try to hold on to those relationships. Um, but how it progressed was. Um, um, and at one point, you know, he said that he couldn't be with me and he broke up with me. And, and then I, I remember kind of, you know, being really upset about it and walking around my place going, what am I going to do? This is the love of my life. How could he leave me? And then coming back and telling me he was wrong and me taking him back. And, and, um, so it, it, he, what happened was is the roommate moved out and, my brother wanted to move in. Now, when it was just me, my sister, and this other girl, he was like, no problem. Like, he could deal with that. But if my brother was going to move in, that was that was not okay. So when he asked me, so he asked me one day, he's like, well, where is he going to stay? Because at this point, the roommate hadn't moved out yet. She was still going to be there in the transition period um, of, of my brother moving in. So I had the largest room in in the condo, and he goes, "Where's your brother going to stay?" And I said, "I don't know. He could sleep in my bed. I don't know where he's going to stay." And um, he actually accused me of incest with my own brother. That I I um, that to this day is. Probably one of the hardest, uh, one of the most hurtful things, and, and one of the hardest things that I've had to deal with um, because it came to the point where my relationship was strained with my brother because he, I was scared to act affectionate towards him when I'm a very affectionate person. Um, because of the comments that um, my ex made. So um, he accused me of, of this. And then the day my brother was supposed to move in, um, my ex called me. He says, I'm downstairs. I'm coming up. We're passing everything. I said, what? He goes, yep, you're moving out today. I said, Okay. So he comes upstairs, we pack all my stuff, and he moves me into a rental um, condo. He says, you're going to stay here until you find a place to live. And I said, okay. I go, what do you mean, like, find a place to live? He's like, you're going to buy a condo. And I don't have enough money. Like, I'm still paying off my student loans. I've got, like, you know – and he's like, it's okay, You're just go find a condo. So um, I go, you know, it takes me like, you know, two, three months, I find a condo, and my ex buys me the condo outright, buys me this condo. And um, after that, it was definitely the beginning of the end, because after... I want to say, I want to say like four months of moving into the condo was the first time he ever physically put his hands on me. So that's how our relationship progressed. And then from there, we just continued to be together. And again, I think he was still in a relationship with his ex, which just had me really confused. Cause like, I wasn't sure if he was, but I thought he was, but then I would catch him on the phone. But then he said he wasn't, it was, it was, I, I can't explain it unless you've been in the situation. Um, and then we did end up getting engaged. And the same week we got engaged, we went out with my friends for Halloween, a, a bunch of my girlfriends and, and there was other people there and he hit on every single girl there yelled at me in public, got belligerently drunk. And um, after that happened, I said, you know, like, how could you do this to me? And I called off uh, the engagement. And he ended up getting mad at me for being upset again. There was nothing, there was absolutely nothing he could do that didn't wasn't somehow my fault. So for me to be upset that he was touching women inappropriately in front of me, for me to be upset that he yelled at me in public um, and insulted me in public, um, for me to be upset about any of that was not a justification for me to be upset. So the fact that I was upset made him upset. And when I called off the engagement, he, again, got even more upset and said that I am emotional, I'm irrational, that that is no reason to be upset. We could have talked through it, and um, it's my problem. Um, What else?
1: So right now, I don't know how far we are in in your relationship, but you are a shadow of who you were before and you obviously probably do not recognize uh what you've become because you're not the same person anymore emotionally and uh, things are happening that have never happened before. And since yeah. I guess you've never experienced a relationship in this manner before or what your your belief of what a relationship should be, you really have no frame of reference, uh, you know, of really what is right or wrong. And are you questioning those things or, you know... hundred
0: percent. Yeah. hundred percent. So all I kept thinking was, is that, all I kept thinking was, is I have to do better. I have to do better. I'm not, if there's something I'm doing wrong, I have to do better. Um, but at the same time, I do recognize that there's things that aren't right, but it was, it was very weird. Like he would explain things to me in a way that it was like justifying how he would treat me. So again, I would feel guilty and have to do better. I always had to do better. And it was crazy because, like, you know, uh, this one time I met a new friend was still a very good friend of mine today. And he didn't like the fact – he didn't like any of my friends, period. But he didn't like, you know, me meeting a new person and having another friend. So he accused me uh, – well, he, he said that she was a lesbian and that she wanted to be with me and that it was creepy and it was a creepy relationship. Um, and while he's telling me this and he's saying all of these disgusting things about her, we are hanging out with her because I want her to be my friend. And he is smiling with her. He is acting inappropriate with her. He is, you know, um, telling her how much he loves her and how awesome she is and all of these great things. And then the second We didn't like the second he has a moment to whisper in my ear. He's telling me really, really insulting things about her. So this is all happening. And then on that, that's on our side. And then on her side, she's telling me how amazing he is. Wow. Mike is really amazing. And he loves you so much. And Mike is this and Mike is that. And he's so awesome. I really love him. You know, you're so lucky all of this. And she has no idea what's happening. And I'm like, yeah, he loves you too. And so at this point, I just feel like the biggest fraud, the biggest liar, and I had to be a liar on top of that because he lied about so much stuff that I had to kind of be the continuation of whatever he would lie about. Um, he also lied to me about his age. Um, three and a half years into our relationship, I found out how old he actually was. I had no idea. I had no idea he actually lied about his age um, he I thought he was i thought he was like seven years older than me. It turned out that he was sixteen years older than me
1: oh boy yeah it, 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 so did the uh physical physical abuse um increase and in, not just in uh i guess time how often it would happen, but in uh the force that was used?
0: Yeah, so um, so, I, I again like I was not ever quiet throughout the relationship. Like I was very vocal about what I didn't like, but at the same time, I always took him back and I was always apologetic. So it was like I was validating him, and I was I was saying that his behavior was acceptable. Um, so. The first time he, uh, attacked me, uh, I was actually in bed and I wasn't even really paying attention to him. He was kind of, I I think he was drinking and he was kind of on a rampage, just talking to himself back and forth. And I was kind of just ignoring him in bed and I don't know what upset him. I, I don't remember exactly, but he actually jumped onto the bed and started to choke me. And it's so crazy because I don't even know how he explained it away. And listening to myself say the story, it still doesn't make sense. But somehow he he said it in a way that it wasn't against me and he's sorry and he was having a bad day and, and. Again, like I, I can't explain it. I, I don't even I don't even know what to say. It was something that I just accepted and shrugged off. And he didn't like. He wasn't constantly hurting me. He wasn't constantly hitting me. He he would like the physical abuse would happen maybe once a year, once every year, year and a half. So for me, it was more like okay, every time, like, I would think that, oh, my God, it hasn't happened for so long, it's not going to happen again. That was a one-off. Like, he wasn't in a good place, or I did something that really upset him. I, I pushed him over the edge because that's not his character. So I would get comfortable again. But in between the physical assault, he would get this look in his eye, and his voice would change, And I would be absolutely terrified of what was going to happen next. So I would check myself and make sure that I behaved accordingly. And if I was able to, I would also run. So I would leave whatever situation we're in, or I would try to get into a public space as fast as possible so that it wouldn't progress. So... The second engagement, um, I actually planned the full wedding, um, planned the full wedding. Um, we were two months away from the wedding, um, and I called it off two months before. So I had all my dresses, all of the deposits were made, everything was in place. Um, everything was done. All, everybody had bought their tickets, invitations, uh, were ready. Everything was done. And um, I think I, what, what made me call off the wedding was the closer we got, the more he upped the abuse. So he wasn't physically abusing me. He was emotionally abusing me at the time. And he was depriving me of sleep on top of it. So I was going a little bit loopy. And I think that he believed that, oh, she's finally getting, you know, what she wants. Um, the wedding is going to go through, so I can basically do whatever I want. So when that happened, it was just like, it was literally just nights of him waking me up in the middle of the night. Um, yelling at me, insulting me, accusing me of, of wanting other men. Um, one day I was very, very sick. Um, and he, uh, he basically just didn't care that I was sick and still wanted me to do everything for him. Um, I was upset because I was very sick. He came home intoxicated, pushed me off the bed. And, you know, in the morning, I didn't want to start a fight and he he did have a, a big meeting and I didn't want to start a fight, but I wasn't affectionate. So I was just very cold. I was very cold and I was very quiet. I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to engage. I didn't want to anything. And that set him off Um. We were actually away at the time um, on a business trip. And he said to me, um, you know, he goes, you're walking around here, you know, fucking quiet and sulking. And you know what? Go wait in the hallway. I'm in my robe in a hotel in a different city. And he says, go wait in the fucking hallway. I go, I go, what? He goes, yeah. You know What? You're not being a supportive fucking partner. You should have ordered me breakfast by now, had this laid out for me, been supportive, done what you need to do, to support me as your man, and support us as a couple, and you can't even do that. You're useless. Go wait in the fucking hallway. And... I just, I just remember breaking down and crying at that point. I never actually got to the hallway, but I couldn't believe that I'm like about to walk down the aisle with somebody, and I didn't even say anything or do anything. They, they did everything wrong, and I just wanted to be quiet and not discuss it. And that's how I was getting talked to, and so that was just like one of the things that happened. But it was just like basically all the, all the um, insult. And the pain was like, everything was heightened. And it was like he could do whatever he wanted. And I thought, oh, my God, if I marry him, I'm never going to be able to get away from him. Because even when I agreed to finally go through with the wedding, I didn't agree from a place of, oh, my God, I'm so excited. I love you. I can't wait to get married to you. I agreed from a place of, I've been with you for 10 years. Every time I try to leave, you suck me back in. I can't get away, so I might as well just do it.
1: But the, but you were able to get away. You were able to, what was the thought process in your brain? Was that, or is this the thought process in your brain that made you get away for good?
0: The thought process in my brain was at least, I, it, it, what scared me was at this point, so we shared residence. So uh, we bought a house together. Like, he paid for the house, but we bought the house together. It was like, hey, do you want to live in this house? And I said, yep, this is the house I want. Let's buy this house. Okay, great. So we buy this house together, and um, we are basically sharing both residents now. So we're sharing the house, and we're sharing the condo. So we're at both places. And, um, if he works late or I think he's drank too much, I can stay at the condo alone and I send him to the house. And that's how it is. It's basically like, Hey, like we've had too much to drink or I don't want to see you tonight. Let's sleep separate, whatever the case may be. What scared the shit out of me was the fact that if, cause my stuff at this point, um, is almost completely moved in. Like, I always had things there, but the, the whole purpose was is that we would no longer have the condo downtown. I would rent it out, or we would have the condo, but we would make sure that we're in the, in the house every single night unless we were both in the condo together. And so my thing was, I was just terrified of being in one place and never being able to get away again.
1: So, what was the process of from that moment to eventually breaking up with him? And what did you encounter with him when that process began?
0: So, I, um, it was interesting. So, he told me to, so I said to him, you know, I want to call off the wedding. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Um, okay, I want you to come meet me and we're going to talk about this. Okay. So I go to meet him in a restaurant to talk about it. And um, in the restaurant, he, his face just changed. And I was so grateful that we were in a public place. Because if we weren't, I knew that that was the first sign of something really bad was going to happen. Um, so when that happened, again, it just affirmed like it reaffirmed the fact that you need to get away from this person because you know, that look and that look means that something really bad is coming to you. Um, And, you know, just be happy that you're in a public place. And so after that, um, I left that situation, that meeting and he said he wanted to go to counseling. So we did do a couple of counseling sessions. And when we were in the counseling sessions, It was the craziest thing. The counselor would say one thing to us and after we would leave, he would, he would say something completely different. He would be like, yeah, didn't you hear what the counselor said? The counselor said this. And I'd be like, he didn't say that. He'd be like, yeah, he did. And he was constantly making me second guess myself. Like anything, like I would literally see something with my own two eyes and then he would tell me that I didn't see that. Or that it happened differently. And it was... So I was always very, very confused. So after we would Get Out of the counseling session, he would, you know, one of the subjects that came up was drinking. And the counselor basically told him that he drank too much. After we left, he's like, see, I told you. I go, told me what? He's like, see, I don't drink too much. The counselor even said I didn't. And I'm thinking... Were we in the same session? Cause he said the exact opposite. But somehow, you know, he's telling me, like, he, he said it this way. And then I'm like, I, like, it would make me go crazy. Cause now I'm second guessing myself going, did I hear this right? Is this happening?
1: So his last then- his last ditch effort against you to stop the breakup from happening was to do extreme gaslighting, where he would just manipulate everything that was said in a therapist section, and get someone of authority in his mind, or not to get someone, but to reinterpret in his mind what the authority person said to get you to believe that. Uh, did you to believe what the actual therapist said? I confused 100%. myself with what I even said right there. <laughs> I yeah. know. I think I'm my no.
0: <laughs> no, but it's 100%. Like, he gaslighted me throughout the entire relationship. Like, I, I, I literally, like, didn't, like, like I, I would, you know, it was to the point where I, he, he would actually say, like, I would say, hey, we ran into this girl. And he would say, no, we didn't. And I go, what do you mean we didn't? Like, I was there. Like, we ran into her. He's like, no, it was this person.
1: But and, did, did you go back though? In this case, with the therapist, did you go back and ask the therapist, "Is this what you said?"
0: So I didn't do that. But what happened was, is like we had so we had sessions together, and then we would have independent sessions as well. And so, um, what Mike did was, uh, honestly, he he deserves an award because when he would go for the sessions on his own. Like, I wouldn't talk about my sessions because my sessions are very personal. And, but he would talk about his sessions that he had with the, with the therapist. And he would basically tell me how the therapist was siding with him and against me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I started to distrust. I really liked the therapist. I really, really liked him. And then I started to distrust him. Because I'm thinking that he's saying all these other things and that he's actually against me. And again, like, I don't know what's true and what's not.
1: But you were able to fight through all of this gaslighting and still end the relationship?
0: Yeah, and I think at that point, at that point, I still didn't know he was a narcissist. I really didn't. I didn't didn't know he was a narcissist. I didn't even know that word. I didn't even think about that. All I knew was that um, I started recording conversations because I, I thought that I was, I thought, like, I would tell him, I'm like, I'm going to have a mental breakdown. Like, something is wrong. Something is, is physically wrong. Like, I, I can't, I, I, I don't know what to do. Like, it was to the point where I would tell my friend, you know, I, I, I hope that somebody hospitalizes me. And she'd be like, you know, that's not a normal thing to say. And so I had to start recording conversations to figure out if I was actually going crazy. And um, once I started to record the conversations and realized that, you know, I I, I am right and I am justified um, in feeling how I feel and and believing what I believe and thinking what I think, um, I still didn't think anything was wrong with him in, in a sense. I thought that, you know what? He interprets things differently than I do. He interprets things differently. Um, He sees things differently, and he really believes what he says. It's not against me, but I couldn't handle it anymore. And um, I, I basically said, you know what? Like, I couldn't even... Just the thought of going through with the wedding because at this point I still truly believed that I loved him and that he loved me, but I thought that he would make the, the wedding so ugly and so difficult. And I would be ashamed to get up there and do, you know, and get married in front of all of our friends and family. And I thought that he would embarrass me. I thought that he would do horrible things. And I thought, you know what? Like, if we do, like I said, if we actually go through with this, then I will never be able to leave. Um, so I called up the um, wedding planner. I said I needed to cancel all of the contracts. We're done. It's done. I, I will not go through with this. Um, and, and at that point, I mentally and physically couldn't. I just felt so numb. That the thought of making one decision or putting on a dress or doing an alteration or anything like I, I physically couldn't bring myself to do it. I was having anxiety attacks. I was having panic attacks. I couldn't think straight. Um, I, I just, I actually couldn't couldn't function to the point where I could actually go through with it. so once I called her and told her it was all canceled, I called him and I said, listen, I've called and I've canceled everything. Um, Within, I want to say, 10 minutes, I get a message saying, it's all back on. And I was like, what? Yeah, I told her not to cancel it. And uh, so even though I had made the step to cancel everything, he called and said not to. And um, and then I had to, and, and then I think we waited like another I think it was a week, week and a half, two weeks, whatever it was. And then I called and, and, and confirmed that it would be canceled, which ended up costing more money. Um, and, uh, even then still, he still, he still wanted to go through with the wedding up until the last day he wanted to go through with the wedding. Um, wouldn't stop at the calls, the text messages, uh, emails, calls, text messages, reaching out to my family, reaching out to my friends, reaching out to my sister. Um, it was it was, uh, it was, dizzying, and it was, like, I, you, you can't think straight. Like, when somebody is constantly, constantly, like, trying to get a hold of you, and then you feel, I always felt obligated to answer him. I always felt obligated. And people would be like, you don't have to answer him. And I'm like, no, but, you know, we were together for this long, or he needs me. And, and it was crazy because after 10 years, he didn't have, he had a strange relationship with his family and he didn't have one friend, not one for 10 years. So I always felt like, well, how could I, how could I abandon him? He needs me. I'm the only person he has. I'm the only thing that he has. Like, I have to be there for him. So for me to not answer was too painful. I always had to, like, entertain him in a way, you know? And it was like, I know we can't be together, but I still love you. And you're amazing, and you're a good man. It was all this, like, validation that I gave him. But at the time, I didn't even know it was validation. I was literally just saying, like, what I think. But he would also kind of, like, prompt it from me. Um,
1: you were still, you, you were, you were, you were still, even though you were out in a way, you were still caretaking his fragile ego.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. And the craziest thing is on our wedding day, we ran into each other. Oof. So on our actual wedding day, we ran into each other and, um, he was like trying to hug me and kiss me and let, not let me go. And he was like, you know, and I was like, okay, stop, 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 you know? And uh, eventually I walked away, but uh, but we, you know, we, we chatted a little bit and um, I remember he had chapped lips and his lips were all cracking. And I, it took every ounce of my being and the reason I didn't actually do it is cause I was actually with, I was, I, I was actually with my mother. So my mother wouldn't allow me to do it if I tried, but it took everything in my soul cause he was at a restaurant and I was just stopping into the restaurant and then I left, but he was still there and there was a corner store and it took all of me not to go into the corner store to buy him a chapstick. Because all I wanted to do was make sure that he was okay and give him a chapstick. And so I actually, he ended up texting me after and said, you know, it was nice running into you. And I was like, it was so nice running into you and I miss you and blah, 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 whatever. And I said, you know, can you please put some coconut oil on your lip? And I left it in the cupboard in the kitchen. And it's like I still wanted to just take care of him.
1: So how long did it take to for the, I guess the trauma bond to uh disappear?
0: Yeah. So um a couple things. So it's funny cuz even after I called off the wedding, um we were still very I was still very much attached to him. Um what ended up happening was I mean, I I mean, I made 10 years of mistakes and then I made, you know, like the, the last year was the biggest mistake, I think, which was after I called off the wedding, um, again, he never left me alone. So it wasn't like I called off the wedding and he left me alone. He never left me alone. Um, and maybe, uh, so a month after the wedding, a month and a half after the wedding, three months after I, two to three months after I had ended the relationship, and then a month after the wedding had actually passed he reached out to me again and he said to me you know i've been going to counseling um, i appreciate you i value you i can't tell you how much i regret everything and and you're that you're the you're the one constant in my life and and you're my princess but i'm going to put you on a pedestal and and you know i'm never going to get angry again i, I I've worked out all my anger issues and I've talked to my therapist and I'm a different person and all of this, like everything that you want to hear, um, he said to me. And I made the mistake of actually going back to him. Oh, you did? I did. And I went back to him for another, um, so I'll just have to actually know that, January, September, March, April, May, for another 11 months. I went back to him. Um, so I went back to him, and it, it, like, I mean, it was like, I mean, it it went back to normal within weeks. Like, it was just, it was ridiculous. Like, I mean, I don't even know. I it, And even from the first meeting that I had with him, he was showing me pictures of other women that he had dated while we were separated. Like, I mean, this, this was not, like, I I don't understand what I was thinking or how I was dealing with it, but I went back to him and it was another 11 months. And and, and within the 11 months, um, what happened was probably within the first like month that I got back with him, his mom got sick. And then I thought, Oh my God, now I'm really never going to get away because if his mom is sick, I have to be there to support him. Like he needs me to support him. So I, I can't go anywhere. So it was a constant that I have to be there for him. I have to support him. His mother's sick. Now, because his mother's sick, this is another reason I'm not allowed to have any, um, I'm not allowed to bring up any issues and I'm not allowed to be upset about anything because how dare you when I am dealing with my mother being sick? So if he's flirting with a woman, woman in front of me or he's hiding his phone or he outright insults me in public or disrespects me, if I bring it up, again, it got twisted back onto me because how dare you, my mother is sick. Um, So what ended up happening in the end was his mother actually passed away. And when his mother passed away, um, I was with him, of course. I was with him every day. So I was with him. We rushed to the hospital, rushed to the hospital. And again, because I had called off a wedding, it was very tense. Like, I didn't see his mother when she was in the hospital. And I didn't even know. Like, I even asked him, I said, I love you. Like, how can I support you? Tell me what I need to do. I actually said to him in words, because I thought that this would for sure come back on me somehow. Like, I knew, not on a subconscious level, I knew on a conscious level that somehow this is going to come back to me. So I said to him, you know, this is a really weird position for me to be in. Tell me what I need to do. If I need to go visit your mom, if I should send flowers, tell me, should I call, tell me what I need to do in this situation. And he never told me what to do. And after his mother passed, again, I was with him on the day of, I dropped him back off to the hospital at this point, he became progressively um, more um, angry towards me uh, uh, he disregarded me, he didn't care and um, he you know i I remember just running around like a crazy person trying to get the house ready, so you know we we had all the family coming to his house so I was cleaning the house. I was buying supplies. You know, he's got a very large family, so there was like a hundred people. You know, in and out of the house for for days. I'm buying soap. I'm buying you know, tissue paper. I'm buying whatever. I'm trying to get everything ready. I'm renting chairs for people to sit. Um, again, it's a religious family, so I, I have to cover my hair at certain points. Like, I'm doing everything I can to the point where I was physically ill. And I ignored it because I just had to make sure that everything got done for him. Um, at this point, when I sh- like the day of the funeral, he sends me a text message and says, you better not be late. And I said, okay, that's a weird thing to say, but okay. So I show up and um, his ex is also at the funeral, the one that apparently had mental issues and wasn't well and all this stuff. Now, when we get there, he's actually ignoring me and talking to her. And it was the craziest thing because, like, I'm trying, like, I'm, like, not acknowledging it. I'm trying to, like, not pay attention to it, thinking, well, he sees me every day. He hasn't seen her. But then a mutual friend of ours, you know, had mentioned to me, she's like, who is that woman? And I said, oh, that's his ex. And she's like, oh. And I said, why? She's like, well, I don't know. He just, he hasn't really talked to you at all. And he just keeps talking to her. And I said, okay, okay, whatever. And I shrugged it off. And, and then, um, from the, um, the, uh, cemetery, I was driving one of his cousins to, I was driving one of his cousins to the airport and, um, I took her to the airport. I dropped her off. And then on the way back, I called him and my sister was still in the car with me. And so I called him and I said, Hey, he's like, Hey. And he was like, really, really short with me. And, and he's like, what's that? What What do you want? What do you need? I was like, Oh, nothing. Like I'm just letting you know, I dropped your cousin off at the airport. It's all good. Like, you know, what are you doing now? Like, what, where should I go? What am I supposed to do? He's like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Fine. That's fine. Okay, good. Okay. Can I call you back? And he got off the phone with me, and again, I was, like, trying not to notice anything, but my sister said, like, you know, wow, like, he was really rude to you. And I thought, yeah, it's okay. Like, maybe something's going on or whatever. Um, at the actual funeral, um, I, I, I he, he said, oh, I want to go outside. So we went outside together, and he looked at me, and he said, what, what month is it? And I said, it's June. He goes, Oh, he's like, so we were supposed to be married last July. And I said, yeah. And he goes, Oh, so now my mom's never going to see me get married. And I said, okay. He goes, yeah, yeah. She's never going to see that. And, uh, what's the point in getting married now? And so it's like, he was still like trying to hurt me even at his mother's funeral. I was like in shock. I was like, Oh, oh okay. Um, then like throughout like the whole thing, he would say, Oh, look how lucky my cousin is. My cousin is so lucky you know, and uh her husband is so lucky because she's such a good woman. She's such a good woman, and she does this, 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 and this. Um, And I don't have anybody. I have no one. And I'd be like, what? You have no one? What are you, like, what? What do you mean you have no one? Yeah, I have no one. And look how lucky these people are. And look how lucky my brother is. And his wife does all of these things, and that, it was just like, it was like, no matter what I did for him, I was made to feel absolutely worthless. And then, and then, he actually said to me, you know, he was going on some tirade about how I haven't made enough time for him, I'm inadequate as a woman, I'm useless, I'm, I I mean, like, the barrage of insults like never stopped. I was useless, I was worthless, I was inadequate as a partner, inadequate as a woman. And so he's saying all of these things to me. And then he says, (laughs) I couldn't believe it. Like my, my, like I, my jaw dropped. He goes, and you know, you see me going through this and you're not even going to offer to give your man a blowjob." I don't, I don't know what else. I was in shock. I was in shock. I was like, wow. Not only did your mom just pass, but you've also been insulting me for days now. And then this is what you expect me to do. And he literally expected me to just get on my knees and do what he wanted me to do. But that, that's, that's what he said to me. That's what he said to me. That's what he said to me. And I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I don't, I don't know what else to say. And, and and that was the point where I was just like oh God. Like I I was like, yeah, like I was just I, I and I think the good thing about having the the like the two month break, you know? The the month to two month break or whatever was that I actually got to experience how normal people behave. So it, when I went back into it the last time, it was more of an eye-opener that this is not normal and that I don't have to accept it, whereas before, like, but the craziest part is is that I still slept with him one time after that comment, um, and, and he actually um, was very demeaning when we, when we um, had sex and, um, like, almost sexually abusive. And, uh, you know, he even asked me at the end, are you okay? Did I hurt you? And it was so disgusting because he knows what he did. I was noticeably upset during. I told him, no, don't, I don't like that. But it's almost like what pisses me off is that I gave him, I gave him the opportunity to, to demean me. I gave him the opportunity to put me in that vulnerable position and, and, and treat me poorly. And I gave him power. And I think he really enjoyed it. I think he really enjoyed it. And that was, the next day, when I saw him, I was I was very I was very much done. And again, he was going on a tirade, insulting me, insulting me, insulting me. And he had said to me, he goes, "Um, do you love me?" And I said, "You know what? I love you. I'm not in love with you anymore." Which is huge because that's something I would never say to him because I know how I know what. Where, where the rage would come from if I ever said anything like that to him. And then it was funny because it actually, like, he said, what, what do you mean? And he, and he got very upset, but then he went past it, which is not normal. Like, he should hold on to that. But I was in bed because he had kept me up the night before until 4 o'clock in the morning, and then I had to be at work for 8 o'clock in the morning, So I had maybe like two and a half, three hours sleep. And like I said, he used to deprive me of sleep all the time. So I was, I was very much just like, I just felt like a shell of a, of a human being. And, um, so I was in bed, I was in my underwear, I was in bed and I really just didn't even care to talk to him. So he was going on this tirade pacing back and forth. He used to do this thing where, and I would actually just like literally watch the, the, the clock sometimes He could actually talk for two hours straight, and I didn't get one word in. And I would watch the clock. I couldn't believe it. He would be talking to himself. The only thing that I would do was this. Uh mm Uh-huh. 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 Yeah. mm Uh-huh. He would talk for two hours, just go on a tirade about anything. Even if it wasn't about me, he would just go on and, and, and have this, like, conversation with himself so anyway so he was pacing back and forth and and um and just doing you know and just insulting me and um what set him off like I would have thought that the I love you but I'm not in love with you would have set him off I thought that for sure would have would have touched the nerve and it did but what really set him off was he said after he finished insulting me, he said, you weren't there for me. And I was literally there for everything. And so he said, you weren't there for me. And I said, you know, he was in the living room. I was in the bedroom. Um, but it's, like, very, like, open. so in it's closed quarters. So, you know, um, I said, well, I guess it's good that I wasn't there for you because he had just finished telling me how how much of a horrible person i am and at that point he um he jumped into the bed and started to choke me and attack me um and he was really good though he was really good because he i think he knew not to leave a mark so he kept cocking his fist like he was going to punch me in the face and i was like screaming, no, 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 please don't, please don't. And he stopped himself from doing it. And I think, and, and and I don't believe for a second that there was anything holding him back other than the fact that it would leave a mark to the point that couldn't be explained away. And that was how it essentially ended. Um and it wasn't until maybe 6 months later i actually realized what i what i had been through
1: and going through that process and understanding what happened you had a clarity i assume that you didn't have before was it relieving or was there more pain involved Uh, when you were under more, when you started to understand what was actually, or what did transpire?
0: So I actually, like afterwards I was, I think I was just elated to be away from him. So I was trying to stay busy. Like I was, I was trying to work and I was, I was, you know, doing all these social things. And I was just like, you know, I was just, I, I was just like happy that I was able to lay down at night without, Uh, concern that somebody was going to attack me without concern that somebody was going to like, you know, emotionally attack me or verbally abuse me. And, and I was just on this level where I was, I was just like, um, I didn't address anything that happened. I was just trying to cover up the pain and go out as much as possible and do as much as possible. It wasn't until I had a little bit of a slow period. And what happened was I started to get, um, like I wasn't able to sleep very well, but I didn't think about anything. And then all of a sudden, I started to get these like nightmares and of, of past events that happened. And I started to think about what really happened. And I was like, you know, it's really messed up what happened. But at the same time, you know, did I? It, it was more. It was more like, oh my gosh, did I call it quits too soon? Did I do something wrong? Did I do something wrong? Um, what did I do wrong? How did I do it? Um, was it my fault? Um, you know, he, he didn't, you know, he's only touched me this many times. So maybe I did something that pushed him to the edge. Why did I do that? How did I do it? So I started, like, researching um, different scenarios of things that I've been through. And it wasn't, and I I became obsessed. I I literally became obsessed with figuring out what had transpired in my relationship. And um, at this point, he was still um, harassing me. So he actually contacted me through over 15 different phone numbers, um, emails, and also sending um, the, the first day that I cut him off, he was sending, he sent Uber Eats uh, order to my place with like my favorite foods, um, contacting my friends, contacting my sister. Um, it was at this point, like I really knew that there was, if I ever, ever responded again, um, that it would start all over again and we would go back to the beginning. And so I, I I did my best not to talk to him. And like I said, I became obsessive in finding out what had transpired in my relationship. And it wasn't until, you know, sleepless nights and all of these things and, and um, that I figured out that he was a narcissist and not only is he a narcissist, like he has narcissistic personality disorder. It was the entirety of our relationship was word for word, what he is and who he is. Um, And I don't say that lightly because even up until this day, I will read something that fully explains exactly who he is and still try to justify his behavior and still try to justify our relationship and still try to justify who he is. And so it's a constant struggle for me because it's like I know who he is, but I still have a very, very hard time believing it.
1: Uh, Are you having a difficult time processing uh, a lot of the emotions that uh, you have about everything? Are you having a tough time breaking through?
0: Now, I'm just in a constant state of, alertness. I'm in a constant state of, um, anger. Um, I'm in a constant state of pain. And I feel like every time I put on a happy face or I have to see somebody, I feel like it's a really, really big effort. I feel like it's like, I have to try to turn something on. That's not there. Um, my work, um, you know, given the current like global situation that we're in, as awful as it sounds, it was almost a blessing to me because I was not able to focus when I was at work um, to the point where people were recognizing it. Um, it. It 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 basically what happened is as soon as I actually acknowledged what I had been through and then realized not only acknowledge what i had been through, but realize what I had actually been through and realize that this person was a narcissist and realize that my last 10 years of my life was essentially just one big lie. Um, it broke me. It absolutely broke me. Um, I can't eat sleep. I can't eat properly. I can't sleep properly. Um, you know, my mind is always running. I'm always, you know, ruminating. I'm having all these nightmares. Um, you know, if I'm, I'm like I said, I'm constantly alert. If you know, a, a coworker who I knew, I knew my coworker was behind me. This was like a week ago. I knew my coworker was there, but she tapped me on the shoulder, and I literally screamed and started crying. Um. And and I didn't know what that was, and I explained it to, you know, I've been seeing somebody, um, I've been seeing a therapist, and she said, well, yeah, that's because you're hyper alert and you're very edgy, and that comes with, you know, post-traumatic stress. And I was like, but what do you mean post-traumatic stress? Like, I was in a relationship. She's like, well, you can get this, you know, from being in traumatic situations for an extended period of time, which I didn't know. But I'm very jumpy, and I'm very hyper alert. like I had gone to um, I had gone to a networking uh, like a, a work event, and I ran into somebody, uh, you know just you know you're networking, you're meeting new people, and I ran into somebody and I, I gave them my card nice and, and and by the end of our conversation, we had all of the 10 minute conversation. Um, by the end of the conversation they had asked me out and I said, you know, I'm 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 really just looking for, you know, professional relationships and platonic relationships. If you would ever like to grab a coffee with a friend, that would be great. Right? And I left and um after leaving um, this person um, sent me thirty nine text messages, called me nine times left three voicemails and a one-page email. And I, I immediately, like, first of all, all of the flags went up for me, and I was like, narcissist, 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 crazy person, narcissist, crazy person. And um, then, I, then I also felt like, oh, my God. Am I attracting them? Is this something is something wrong with me? Is something wrong with me that these people are coming for me? And then I thought, oh, and this is the part that I'm really trying to work on. Am I overthinking this? Maybe they just felt a connection and I should just be kind and say no, thank you. And, again, it took everything in me not to respond to this person and say, hey, like, you know, it's a little much, but, like, you know, let's be friends because that's what I would have done in the past, and I would have excused their behavior. So my journey is still going, and I'm still learning, but I'm definitely hyper alert to like different red flags and signs.
1: And you're having um, you're having obsessive thoughts.
0: I I'm obsessed. I'm I'm, I'm totally obsessed. I, I'm obsessed to the point where, um, a I can't sleep. If I can fall asleep, as I'm falling asleep, I am ruminating and thinking about, you know, the past and situations and my ex and and all of these things. And eventually, I you know, I'll hit the point of exhaustion and then I fall asleep. But I wake up countless times and I usually can only sleep for maximum, like three hours. If I get three hours in, I'm happy. The worst part is, is that, like I said, I am having all of these nightmares and things within those three hours. Well,
1: that's it. You're not even having three hours of sleep. Your brain no. while you're sleeping is just running wild. There's no rest going on. That's like, Running w-
0: wild. It, yeah. Running wild. Nightmares and and, and everything. And, um, something new for me is um, I started to get night sweats. So I don't sweat like I, you know, and I'm not saying that you know for anything. I, I just I'm not somebody who sweats. I don't sweat when I go to the gym. I don't sweat when I go to the beach. I just genuinely do not sweat. Um, I I am waking up in uh, in the mornings now and in the middle of the night where my bed is completely drenched. Um, and I'm just soaking wet from, from the chest, like just all over my chest, I will be soaking wet. For the first time in my life, I, I, even throughout my relationship, like I was never like an angry person. I was more of a person who is like very like, let's talk about this and don't get me wrong. There was definitely times where I was pushed the edge, where I would, I would scream, I would scream like a crazy person and I would really scream and, and let out all this stuff, but I've never been an aggressive person or an angry person and, um, it got to the point where I did have to go see my doctor because I couldn't control my rage. So, um, I didn't take it out on anybody else, but the second I was alone, um, whether it was in my place or alone in an elevator or alone in the garage or alone, wherever I was alone, um, I would, I would just start to, to, to just cry and start punching walls, kicking walls, hitting things. I would be in the middle of the night. I would start like excessively punching my bed and punching the walls and punching pillows and, and and hitting my head and hitting my legs and just hitting and hitting and hitting and I couldn't control it. Like no matter what I did, I could not stop just wanting to hit things and hit myself I have been able to get past that now but I can't explain the place I was in to the point where it's like like I can't believe this like I just I just there, there was nothing I could do and I just wanted to keep hitting things I tried to go to the gym the gym didn't help I would I would be crying during a class I I just I really wanted to, to hurt something and to hurt myself, um, which I have since, you know, thank goodness gotten past that part, but I'm still having, you know, the, the night terrors and the night sweats and, and before, before my eyes even open, I'm, I, I, my mind is already racing before I'm even conscious. and, something really funny that happened to me, like actually just a few nights ago, um, which actually upset me even more, um, was I had a good memory of my ex. I had a really good memory of him when I was sleeping. It was a good dream. It was a good memory. And I actually woke up from my dream, smiling and laughing. And that really, like, you would think, like, oh, okay, well, that's better than having a nightmare. But it was worse because I'm like, why would I have a good thought um and feel these good feelings to somebody who was really hurtful and damaging to me? Why am I waking up smiling and reminiscing about something, you know, good with us? Um so that was, that was hard to deal with. Um, and, uh, you know, aside from not being able to sleep, I've, um, my, my weight has fluctuated. So I've lost quite a bit of weight and um, I've also started to lose my hair and, you know, I don't know, I, I, I don't know if that's a stress thing or maybe there's some kind of issue, but I've never lost my hair before and my, my hair is starting to fall out. Um, so that's everything that kind of like prompted me to seek therapy. Uh, and so that's, that's where I'm at now and, and I'm seeking therapy to, to try to get through this.
1: It, just to you know, make you feel better. When you, uh, hair loss is a symptom of PTSD for some people. And, uh, so it's not abnormal. What's kind of, what's going on with you, all of the things you were just talking about from your anger outbursts, the obsessive thoughts to, um, where are we here on my list? Cause I was looking at the list while you were talking. Um, everything you were saying is a... I mean, a symptom of, of trauma and, you know, you're, it's new, everything here is new. It's your, you know, you're dealing with it for the first time and you know, it's 10 years. So it's a lot, it's a lot of stuff and you have to, um, you know, the best reminder for you is it's not going to be an overnight fix. Uh, I mean, even if it was a normal breakup, and if it was a 10-year normal breakup, 10 years, that you're still going to have to deal with 10 years of even that was a normal breakup. That's going to take a long time to process and get over. And yours is a 10-year relationship that was traumatic and there was verbal, emotional, and physical abuse involved. And that's going to take longer. And you you know, just to remind yourself to be patient with yourself and understanding. And, you know, it's easy to say to you all these things and it's not as easy to do. But, um, you know, everyone listening who's been through this um, is, is with you on it. And, you know, I want nothing but the best for you to kind of go through this process. And part of the process is to go through these difficult things. But, you know, when you do get to the other side, you're going to have a, a really great understanding of what happened and you'll grow into being a stronger version of you and a, and a, and a better version of you. And, and hopefully people won't be insulted by me saying a better version of you. I just mean more a version of, um, you know, understanding of who you are as a person. And, um, you know, I, I wish nothing but the best for you because what happened to you was wrong and you didn't deserve it so um my heart goes out to you because it's a lot you know you you dealt with a lot of stuff and you're here now and you're great i'm grateful you're here with me today and it's unfortunate that you're here with me today but i'm grateful that you're here talking to me and um you know before uh we end the show do you have anything you want to say uh to everyone out there one last thing
0: Um, yeah, I think the hardest thing, and, and, you know, you just said that I should be, you know, kind to myself and forgive myself. I think that's the hardest thing, because I don't, at this point, like, I still don't understand why I allowed myself to be in this relationship. And I still don't understand why I continue to go back. And I still don't understand why I knew things were wrong. And I still allowed it. I don't understand why Um, I thought so little of myself that I, um, put this person before everything that I ever wanted, needed, or deserved. Um, I still don't understand that.
1: You were, you were psychologically broken down and little by little, um, you know, he uh, knew exactly what to do. He knew exactly what buttons to push with you and he knew exactly how to fix it and when he's doing that and he's making a mental map of everything and he's in his he might not be physically writing it down but he's mentally making points that worked oh that didn't work Oh, that worked oh i said that that didn't go over too well but then i said this and that fixed it and now oh look how she's acting Ah, now I don't even have to do anything. She's doing it on her own. She's doing the work for me. You were being manipulated the whole entire time. And part of that manipulation was to get you to act the way he wanted when he wasn't even around. And he was very good at that. And that was his job. And you ran into someone who was a a master of it. And And
0: he used to tell me that I was the manipulative one. He used to say that I manipulated him, and he used to tell me that I was abusive and, um, yeah
1: and that uh, you know that was his that was his trick he was he's a con man, and you know uh, all of us who's listening, and we've all been conned before, um, and we all felt feel shame and guilt attached to it, but over time it lessens, especially when there- you, sorry. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. Uh, No, just over time, it, it lessens. And especially when you get the understanding of the person you're dealing with is not, you know, their intention was never to be good to you. And some of them know it and some of them are aware of what they're doing and some of them aren't aware of what they're doing. But they're still trying to pick the lock of your safe and yours did. And yours was going to do it to whoever they did it to. It could have been, you know, someone that you considered the smartest person in the world. This person was still going to try and be persistent to do it. And yours is persistent. Even, you know, that two two, um, uh, engagements. And then even after the engagement, still persisted. And then even after that, still persisted. When you have someone who's persistent, you know, and is, you know, trying to break open a fence. If they keep on banging that fence, they're going to find the right spot. Uh, break it open and you know that's what happens and you know there's nothing sorry continue
0: if there's any advice that I want to give to anybody out there do not do not compromise what your your basic your basic needs wants and what you deserve it is not your fault how they treat you you are not to blame you know as hard as it is for me to still come to terms with that it's not your fault it's not your fault it's not your fault it's not your fault and if somebody shows you their true colors please believe them please believe them because he used to say the most atrocious hurtful, painful, crazy, um, things to me. And he would tell me afterwards, Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I just say things to get, when I get mad, you know, I just say things to hurt you. You know, I just say things because you said this to me, you know, it's your fault because you did this. You said this, you did this, you, you acted like this. And that's why I had to do that. No, no. That is not a fucking normal response. That is not normal. Because with all of the the the, the, the things that I knew about him and and, and all of the, the stuff he shared with me, I would never, ever go to a place where I would use that against him. And I have never done that in any other relationship in my life. Because it's not right and it's not how you behave. So my advice to anybody is... Please, please, please do not make excuses. If something is wrong, it is wrong. It is wrong. It is wrong. It is wrong. wrong. There is no excuse for it. It's not I'm having a bad day. It's not my business is going under. It's not my mom is dying. It's not, you know, I have cancer, uh, you know, because he he used to also use health against me. Um, And make up different things. He, you know, he said he had a stroke. He didn't have a stroke. It, it, It doesn't matter. And you know what? Even, even if, even if your partner or somebody you love has a stroke, it is not an excuse to be mentally, emotionally, or God forbid, physically abusive towards you. It is still not an excuse to treat you like that. So, no matter what, if there's any advice I have to give somebody, please do not waste your years. Please do not waste your time. Please do not exhaust your energy. And, you know, on a person who is showing you who they are, do not make excuses for them. That is, that is the advice I have, because if there's one thing in the world that I want, and I used to, every time we used to argue you know, near the end, he would say, what do you want from me? And I would say, I just want a time machine. That's it. I just want a time machine because there's a lot of things that you can get back. You can get money back. You can get friends back. You can get careers back. You can get, you know, family back, but you cannot get your time And I sacrificed so much because I sacrificed my time. So that is my advice. Please, please, please. If you don't know what you're dealing with, keep reading, keep listening, keep keep getting help so that you don't have to waste 10 years of your life. And that is my advice to you.
1: Well, Hannah, thank you very much for being on the show today, tonight, um, and you know it has been an honor for you to tell me your story, story, and share your story with our audience. And I just want to, a big thank you for being here. So, uh, thank you uh, for everyone else. For everyone else out there listening, I hope you have a good night.